the morning on the Maverick at KMSU Radio. And I have joining me by phone my good friend Barb Lambs. And Barb just had eye surgery, so she's at home recovering. But we are delighted to have her on the phone. Good morning, Barb. Hey there, Karen. It's good. I feel like Al Bat talking <laughs> to you by phone in the comfort, from the comfort of my living room, looking out the window, seeing the snow. And you know what? My husband just told me the little birds that are out there are gathering bits and pieces of twigs. They must be building nests. Well, I'll bet you if you look around your yard like I do, especially when the leaves are off, you'll see a lot of little nests here and there. Yes, yes, and that is so true. That's one of the most wonderful things. And when I can get back out again, I always put yarn. I cut off sections of red, green, bright yarn, hang it on the bushes that I have, and then I'll be able to see the nests that the birds are making because they'll take that yarn, they'll haul it up into their nest, and they'll sew it in, and then you can see a little bit of red up in the tree or a little bit of green, and and you know that they're with you. That's but so much there's fun. a little controversy about that, Barb, and Al Bat and I have chatted about that. Some people say that the, the yarn can get tangled with birds and can cause harm, so they don't necessarily yep. recommend that. So I'm just they, saying they, what Al told me. <laughs> That, that, that's good to know. I wonder if there's anything else that we could do. Um, twigs? So that, get them, get them yeah, some more well, twigs. They get, <laughs> yeah, they get lots of twigs. They, they absolutely do that. And, you know, the yarn thing is something I did when my kids were little. And, and I can, if that's not good. You could paint the twigs and then you could see if the colorful twigs. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> put them in a little that's bundle, it. paint them in a little bright color, and then you can see it where they're at around the yard. That would probably be toxic, too. You know, I... Well, have, use, use um, water-based paint. It'd probably be okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can just be more careful. I, that's the great thing. We have so much better information out there, whether it's what we do for our pollinators or our birds or the soil. And, you know, before I had this surgery, last, this past week, Monday and Tuesday, I just was out. My garden was wet. Here at home, too the perennial wet. garden, too wet, but I could sit on the grass, and I could, that's the edge, and reach in, and I just pulled, there were things, I was looking for crocus in that, and there were crocus that were blooming underneath the leaves, uh, and so I pulled some of that back, and what I did do was, I added uh, neem, now neem is an organic a product. It actually comes from a tree. It's, it's the bark of a tree. It yeah, it's an oil. And that, yeah, at least I've well, got you the. You can get it both as an oil and you can get it dry. Oh, okay. And, and I prefer this dry. It's incredibly smelly. And I use it as a repellent for the rabbits. Oh, good and idea. I don't know about little chipmunks, if that slows them down <laughs> at all. I'm not sure. But everything that was up just even a little bit. I put about a tablespoon of neem around it, just sprinkled around it. Now, I don't know. I suppose I'm going to have to do this again because I imagine it will dissolve with the snow. We'll have to see. But I, I did get that done, and I kind of surveyed my garden, and I thought, you know, I see some old friends coming up. Um, last fall, we talked about the coral bells mm-hmm. and how sometimes they push themselves up out of the soil. They, they kind of heave themselves up, yeah, a little atop the soil, so it's, it, they're yes, not... Yes, they do. Yeah. Well, I had this one, which I have tried before, 
and I believe it's uh, the name of it is something like butterscotch or or creme brulee because it is that orangey yellowy one and I know you know which one this is and I have lost this corobel before and I thought well I wonder if I would take um, wood chips and I had all these uh, pine chips and I pushed them up around uh, up uh, onto the stem itself but not smothering it and uh, and and I then I put a, a little fence around it and, and I looked out there and sure enough it just it just came through just fine. So apparently, keeping that area around it insulated so it doesn't heave itself up—that's the way to go. Well, I checked out by the lake house, and I have a lot of crocuses up there. It was really fun to see all the different colors. I've got some beautiful purple ones, but also some white and yellows and some orangish ones. And so it's just—it was just delightful. But now they're of course covered with snow but that shouldn't harm them and I've noticed my tulips are up and the deer found one little bunch of them and munched them to the ground which means there will be no flowers on them so I went and found some chicken wire and I put it across I have got a lot of tulips in in my my house here in Mankato and I I have it just I weighted with sticks on on the side and so I gave them a little bit so they can come up a little but the the deer can't munch them because it's such a sad thing when you have all this beautiful stuff and munch, 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 and then you you don't get anything for it. So yeah. uh, it's a lot of work sometimes for getting the beautiful product, but you got to do the work to get it there. Yeah, you know another uh, thing that you can put into your garden that uh, I don't know why the rabbits don't eat this in my garden, but it's the um, the unnaturalized, the unhybridized, I should say, tulips. And these are the ones that naturalize in your garden, and they're very short. They're probably about three inches tall. They have a small uh, cup-shaped bloom on them. Mm-hmm. They're uh, about, uh, when they're in bloom, they're about as high as a grape uh, uh, hyacinth would be, about that size. But they provide and, a lot of color on the ground. Yes, I've got some of those, too. And they naturalize. They keep spreading out. And, gosh, those were ahead of everything else. They don't have blooms on them yet, but they had a lot more foliage coming. So that is a good thing, too, if you always look for that early color. But then I'm trying something new, Karen. I have a coal frame at home here, and a coal frame is simply a wooden box that is higher at the back. It's about, uh, about I'd say, Mm, 20 inches high at the back, and then it slopes down on the sides, <clears throat> and then in the front it's maybe about 10 inches. So you uh, get a old uh, window, and that becomes the door for this coal frame. It's kind of a lid that it slants on top. It is, but it's hinged, so you can raise it up and close it, and I also have a little handle so I can grab and pull that up, and the window that my husband put in, uh, it also has screen in it as well as storm window. And so uh, I can just raise that up within the box and, and then get air in there. If I want rain coming in there, I can do that. Or I have a rod that holds it in place so it's open fully, so it has full exposure to the sun. And the idea of building this and having this at a slant like that is so that it won't be affected by heavy um, 
the heavy weight of the snow. And you're also harvesting the sun that way, too. So you're getting a little yeah. mini greenhouse out there in your yard. That's what it is, exactly. And then last fall, we took all the soil or the compost that we had left in the compost pile, and my husband put that in there, and it's within a couple of inches of the top. And I have a little path going out there. So I walked out there, and I planted uh, radishes. Uh, there's one that's called French Breakfast, and that is an heirloom variety. It's done really well for me. I've never had nematodes in that. That's a great one. And then I also planted globe out there, the globe radish, and two kinds of lettuce and one kind of spinach. And, uh, and then I sprinkled them really, really well, opened up the lid, and now I've been capturing the snow on there because the snow is supposed to have a certain amount of nitrogen in it. and um, The snow? Yeah, the snow. Has nitrogen? Yeah, I've heard that. Oh. I don't know. People oh. say that hmm. after it snows that everything just greens up. So maybe it's the moisture. I don't know. Maybe it's the, the warm sun and they're just like, thank you. Yes. But so that coal frame, rather than being something that I would put, maybe start plants in, um, and then move them out into the vegetable garden, this is going to be used for me for this crop because I can protect the things that are coming up in there from the rabbits and also from squirrels digging and things like that. So we'll see. This is the first year that I tried this. I realized that I'm going to have to water this more often because um, it, it's, it's, the soil is extremely light in there now. Well, that's but, sort of when you have a raised bed garden, like I have too. You you need to to make sure it's sure it's very well draining, but and then you water it. But the nice thing is, in the square bed, it's all in one compact place. So even though you're using the water, you're not just spreading it out over a large space. So you're actually conserving water in a sense. Yeah, and that's a good analogy because all you're doing is you're just going one step more, mm-hmm. and you, you've got a lid for it so you can close it and. And, and open it, and that's, that's really, really great. So, so I got that in. I was really excited about that. And now that I am home, today uh, I've got some uh, uh, plastic pots for starting plants, and I've got some new uh, potting soil uh, for starting plants, and I'm going to start those pepita pumpkins that we're going to try raising this year that you raised just for the seed because the seed is so delicious it doesn't have that hard shell on it. You dry it and you use them just like you'd use any other kind of a nut. And I've nailed those for two years in a row and, and if, like I said, they, they they never get orange like a pumpkin though. They always stay kind no. of green and you say, why aren't these turning ripe? Well, that's just how pepitas are. Yeah, exactly. And so I don't know that they've got any flavor, but here's the thing. Um, I'll, those seeds, the pepitas themselves, are so expensive. My daughter makes this pumpkin soup, and she buys pepitas, and you sprinkle those on top. Oh, my goodness, that is so delicious. And they're supposed to be so nutritious, too. So anything that you start paying for by the ounce like that, (laughs) if I can grow that, I want to grow that. So we'll see. Stay tuned. Maybe it's going to be just uh, a terrible disaster. I gave our good friend Neil some of those seeds. He's going to He's got a great garden and good soil out in the country, and he's going to try some of those, too, and see what he thinks. So so we'll see. And I don't know if they cross with other pumpkins. You w- it wouldn't affect this year, 
but if you're a seed saver, it certainly would it in would. the future. So, so, so we'll see how that goes. And then we want to give a shout-out to our friend Cindy, who was listening to us on her radio, car radio, as she was traveling up to the cities last week. And she said she caught our program tell just between Belle Plaine and Jordan, and she loved hearing about uh, the importance of vitamin D that we get from the sunshine for our gums. And having healthy gums, you have healthy teeth, and she reminded me also healthy teeth and healthy gums are part of protecting your heart. So uh, It's all connected. Anything I've learned with your teeth, your mouth, and it's all connected to the rest of your body. The thing is you should, still should wear sunscreen to protect yourself. Even though you want the vitamin D, you don't want those UV rays that will cause skin <coughs> cancer. So that's really important, too. Oh, absolutely. Uh, that's one thing that you can get ready right now. I mean, have you got a, a current bottle of sunscreen, and have you got the right a sunscreen that we should be using or that you should be using? Some of us are just... Uh, we, our skin just seems like it has a lot less uh, melanin because we're coming from the Scandinavian countries and we burn so much easier. Oh, yeah, and I always wear the big brimmed hat too, and that's something I really encourage. I think about growing up on the farm and how many farmer's tans I got being out on the tractor. You'd wear your t shirt and then you get bright red arms, and, and uh, you know, ex- that exposure over and over can cause cancer down the line, skin cancer. So you really have to be careful and watch uh, for anything that's unusual and, and prevent further damage to your skin. So, I sure. mean, gardening it's, is, I love being face. out, yeah, and I love being outside, but, you know, there is there are also risks. Yeah, that's right. And I was thinking, too, about, um, you know, there's still a lot of pruning to be done out there. So get your pruning shoes ready. And if you've got an old, you know, the blade does get, dull on a pruning shear. Oh, yes. You you need to sharpen them, yeah. Yeah, you can't make a clean cut with with a dull blade like that. So, and for heaven's sakes, get in the habit of cleaning the blade off as you go from plant to plant or shrub to shrub or tree to tree. Don't be dragging... There might be something that's going to be a disease on one plant. You don't want to, and you can't even see it yet. You want to be, don't want to be dragging that to another well, plant. Well, I've tree. got one of my. I've talked about this in the past. I've got one that's got that black knot, and that's a fungus. So if you ever see a tree, and this is a, in the prunus family, so it's an ornamental um, pear type or prune um, or plum or something. But it's it's got these beautiful, beautiful uh, burgundy leaves, but. Without the leaves on, I see all these black, ugly, look yep. like they're they're charred. And so I've been for the last probably five years cutting those out. And it's got to the point now, Barbara, where the tree is, is big enough and there's so many black spots. It, and what happens is that can spread to any other, uh, especially sure. fruit trees. So I'm going to yep. have to cut that down. And I've had it there probably at least uh, 17 years. So it's really a heartbreak, but... If I keep it yep. there, that disease is going to keep spreading. So I'm right. going to just say, cut my losses and not get everything yep. else diseased and say, oh, here it goes. And when you cut that stuff off, don't put it in your compost pile. Don't, uh, you should put it in a bag or something so that those spores on that, that black um, yes. don't that spread around. Not. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So everything else. So I'm going to have to bite the dust on that one and say, well, nice knowing you, tree. You were beautiful, but so long. Right. And, and you know, Here's the thing about being a gardener. You have to be uh, a good steward of land. You, that means you can't, you can't have something there that's going to affect other people's 
what they are trying to grow and do. And we don't know how far these spores are traveling. They're getting, especially with this uh, prunus, that this can get on, it can be spread so easily. And so being a good steward of the land, you just cut it down, get rid of it, and say, okay, did that, uh, tried to prevent it, tried to control it, but it was, you know, it was just too much. And it's really been, the last couple of summers have been more humid, I think. Right. And I think that's more conducive to the spreading of that. And that's an example of if, if I prune something like that, I especially want to be careful of going to any other thing to prune it because you can, any of that, those spores on my pruning shears or even on my gloves can spread to the next tree. So I always have rubbing alcohol available and I will take a, a rag and I will clean my pruning shears between every different shrub that I do. So, I mean, it's very important just not to go through the whole yard and say, oh, I'm done, just go. But no, because it, you just don't know what you're carrying to the next tree. Yep, yep. That, that, that's absolutely excellent. And, you know, the other thing is your gardening clothes, as soon as you get done gardening for the day, you should go right down to the laundry yes. room and launder them. <laughs> uh, you don't want to bring in uh, pollen. You don't want to bring any spores in from anything else. So that's a good habit to get into as well. You know, one of the strange things, um, my husband was down in our root room in the basement, which is an unheated room where we store dahlias and things like that. But we also store canned goods, things that benefit from being kept at a cool temperature. And he came up and he said, guess what I found? And I had an amaryllis bulb that I had planted in an outdoor container, and I, w- I thought, gee, you know, I wonder if I could just store this without putting it into a pot. And so I just had it in with the rex- rest of the, the dahlias, the other, other bulbs and roots. And, you know, that thing, that bulb, just being in there, it had shot up a spike, and it's got two beautiful big buds on it and the spike is was at least you know six inches long so here i'm always bringing things in in pots and then i you know add i wonder i might be storing amaryllis bulbs maybe like this i might try that in the future and then in the spring put them in a fresh pot of soil so we'll see you know well yeah because you have so many i mean if you can save a little space right yeah So, Barbara, guess what I got yesterday delivered by, I don't know if it was FedEx or UPS, to the door? It had to be something to do with the garden. Yes, it did. And, you know, yesterday, think about how cold it was. The wind was blowing. It was snowing. It was sleeting. It was icing. And a giant box of live plants arrived at my doorstep. And thank goodness the boys were home from school or that would have sat on the front porch area, you know, not protected and probably would have, well, probably got damaged if it was there too long. But luckily my, my sons were home and brought it in. And of course, when I go home, mom, you got some plants. And (laughs) but I had ordered some, what they're called flower pillows. And they're uh, essentially six flowers in a little, it's like an eight by, oh, I don't know if that's the right inch, but eight by uh, four inch block. And I will take that and put that in a, a container pot and they will grow and there's uh, different varieties in there, and I will get a beautiful container plant. And I did that because it was a little less expensive, and I just wanted to try it. But right now I've got them at home, and I ordered them last year, and the problem was I couldn't get them in right away last year, so I let them sit, and they don't have that much um, soil or, you know, 
because they're, they're only right about two inches thick on the bottom. They look yeah. very healthy now. But last year, I kind of let them uh, spend a lot of money and let them die. So I'm going to, I don't have the, the right pots, but I'm going to get it into the soil right away to get them going. And um, But I'm pretty excited just to see some. They're blooming because I think they have them in the greenhouse. And so they've all got beautiful flowers on them. And, and I'm just really excited about that. I, I think that's great to try something new, especially these award-winning combinations. People have thought about this, and um, it, you'll just get the most striking combinations of colors. And I think that's really a nice shortcut that you can do. But I ordered some daylilies, and I'm waiting for those roots to come. And I'm just hoping that... Um, they don't send them when it's still so cold. This is one of the drawbacks of ordering something. You have no control over when they're right. going to send things. Yes. So when I do get my daylilies, I've got pots ready. I've got potting soil ready. They're going to go right into the pots. I'll keep them in there. And then later on in the, so- in the summer, when I've decided where the permanent place is, because they're going to stay in place for a long time, I don't want to make a mistake here. And, you know, with the daylilies, they really like uh, to have full sun. They do mm-hmm. really, really well. And I know, Karen, that uh, at your place you have them down close to the edge of your property by the road. Yes. And I would think that that's one of the most difficult places to grow things because we get the salt on the street, we get the, the pavement heats up, it's warm there, it's really hot there, and keeping them watered. So. I think daylilies are really, it's one of my new favorite plants. They're pretty tough because, the, like you said, the ones by my mailbox get a lot of salt from the plows, plowing it there. Plus, it's kind of heavy clay soil. I keep amending it, but it, it's really not ideal. But it, they still do very, very well. So if you want a tough plant and you've got tough situation in your yard, that's probably a good one to yeah, plant. Yeah, so, so take your time. And even if you have to improve the soil where they're going to go, take the time to do that. So if you get a root or a bulb, uh, you can put it temporarily in a pot, keep it watered, get it in the sunlight, and uh, uh, and you'll have really, really good results with that. Now, the dahlias that I have, I'm going to start potting them up um, maybe next week at, so that they they break that dormancy cycle and they start shooting up some, some foliage. And here again... Uh, I can get them out in the greenhouse, and uh, they'll do really, really fine. You know, last year I had these prize-winning dahlias, and I did that, and then I dug holes out in the garden, and then I added that crab meal that I had ordered, and the raccoons came in. (laughs) They dug They like fish. (laughs) Yeah. I, I mean, it was just, what a disaster. And, you know, after I took them, replanted them, do you know that the raccoons came back another night after that and dug them back up again? They could smell it. And I do think with the squirrels, too, they know the human smell that we give off. And I think wherever we've been in the garden, I think they go investigate it. I really think squirrels are smart. And, you know, up until uh, just a couple years ago, I didn't really have many squirrels because our trees weren't that big. And now I've got squirrels. In the winter, they were on the roof because they climbed up on my mulberry tree and headed on the roof. And I see them now around the gardens. And in the backyard, I've got a bunch of tulips. And I don't ever end up getting any buds because they basically ransack that garden. And I just say, well, I guess that's theirs because 
you can't cover everything. Yeah, yeah, that that's true. You know, um, it's too early yet to hook up our rain barrels, but it won't be long, and we'll start thinking about that. Boy, um, I was at um, Wasika at our garden club on Monday night, and the gal that was doing our class, she talked about George Washington. And one of the things, you know, our founding father, he was a farmer at heart. He really didn't want to be president. He wanted to farm. <laughs> he loved farming, and he was trying all kinds of new things. And he talked about how important it was to water with warm water, warm rainwater, and the difference he had seen when using water that was warm for for watering plants. So I think if that wisdom was good enough for George Washington, it's good enough for me. And that's what I find out with these rain barrels that I have. The uh, water in them, it warms up in the daytime, and you don't shock the plants. Yes, and, and I've got the four, and I'm getting another one out for the, the lake house as well, just because that the, it is nice, and then I feel don't feel so guilty about using water because it's such a precious resource. It, it, it is a precious resource. That's exactly right, and the benefits are there, too. So it's just the way nature gives it to us, so that's great. One of the things we do now uh, before we hook the rain barrels up again, because, you know, we have eight of them, is... I wash them out. I use the power washer, mm-hmm. and, I mean, it's just a very simple job, but I want them to start out clean, too. Yeah, exactly. And I, I have, um, sometimes you have to do a little maintenance, like the, the spigot. I've got one spigot that's sort of leaking a little, so you have to take it out and maybe add a little caulking. So there, there's, you know, some things you have to do. to. And while you can't plant anything, now's the time to do that sort of maintenance stuff. Sure, it, it, it sure is. And, you know, don't forget about... Your house plants. I so I'm kind of. <laughs> My house plants are sad sometimes. Are, are they? Yeah. You know, we should have a house doctor. We should. I, I, I and and when someone has a plant, someone else should take it and see. Maybe just <laughs> a different environment is better. You know, the amount of humidity you have in your house certainly affects how well your your plants are going to do, and the amount of light. Harvey was telling me that you know he's growing so many things in his heated garage that he has had to add more lights because now he's got the, the let's see, that would be the, he's got his daughter gardening out there, he's got his granddaughter, and now he's got his great-granddaughter. And, and this year she started these Johnny Jump Ups, and they were up a couple of inches high. So, so he's had to add more, more lights so that he can grow things under lights until they get them out in the garden. And, you know, if, if you love growing things and you want to start things, uh, especially like herbs or, or vegetables you're going to put in the garden, one consideration would be that you get them enough good light. So yes. buying some uh, uh, fluorescent bulbs and providing this light that way is one way to solve that problem. Well, Barb, we are out of time. It's been great to talk to you. I wish you a speedy recovery with your eye surgery there, and we hope you'll be back again uh, next week in the studio. I certainly hope so, too. Thank you, Karen. Thank you. And thanks to all of our listeners. Happy gardening.
Bye. Bye-bye. All right, our good friend Barb Lampson, Master Gardener there. It is 10 o'clock, and you are listening to a Minnesota Morning on the Maverick at KMSU Radio 89.7 FM in Mankato and KMSK 91.3 FM in Austin, online at kmsu.org. Broadcasting from the campus of Minnesota State University, Mankato, big ideas and real-world thinking. It's 37 degrees. We've warmed up a bit. So that's, I guess, good news. If you want to see the snow melt, there's about six inches here in the Mankato area. It varied widely across the, the state and things are clearing up. The roads are have melted and for the most part, looks like we could get a little more snow throughout this morning. Let's see, I don't know if I can see the time on here. Yeah, just a little bit more. And there was some flakes, were some flakes falling this morning. And then tomorrow, not, not much warmer. We'll get up to 39 is all. And mostly cloudy but then some sunshine will come along on Sunday and it'll be a high of 46 Monday 50